The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam. Howdy and welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today. Not just on any Monday, but on Labor Day. September 7th, Frank Stample alongside Scott White. And do people say Happy Labor Day? This is something that I've been pondering. What do you think, Scott? I feel like I've never heard anyone say that before. Is it? Is that how I should greet you today? Happy Labor Day, Scott. Uh, I'm not sure I've heard anybody <laughs> say that before either. Um, I don't believe it's a somber occasion, so that, that seems fine to me. Yeah, I mean, most people in the world have a day off. It feels like something we should be celebrating. So, yeah, yeah. let's go. And we're here. Welcome to the show. Uh, Scott, how was your weekend? It was good. It was good. What about you? Fantastic. I know. One of your favorite questions. How was the weekend? Uh, it was good. I did basically everything I said. I had a ton of fantasy football drafts. Had some barbecue food. Uh, we are recording this Sunday night. I just ate a huge chocolate chip cookie, and I feel disgusting. <laughs> so I'm just going to throw it to Scott and let him do a ton of the work like I always do. Uh, but let's kick things off with our, oh my goodness gracious, waiver wire standout stand of the weekend. Oh my good goodness gracious. All right, Scott, what do you got? I'm going with Tony Gonsolin, who mm. is still available in more than half of CBS Sports League's even though his rotation spot for the Dodgers is secure at this point. And his numbers are beginning to look fairly ridiculous. Fairly ridiculous. He went six innings in his start on Saturday. So, you know, a good, hefty workload for a starter. Uh, Only threw 75 pitches, though, and got 17 whiffs on them. His slider-splitter combo has been ridiculous all season long, getting whiffs with those two pitches especially. And uh, he's now at a, in in five starts, a .76 ERA, a .72 whip. I think it's pretty obvious those numbers are unsustainable. And yet, in 16 major league appearances now, 11 of them starts, he has a .212 ERA and a .91 whip. He was... Really good in a swingman role for the Dodgers last season, too. You know, obviously, most of his outings are short. He hasn't been tested too many times the, the second or especially the third time through a lineup. But uh, there definitely seems to be some skills here. And uh, because the rotation spot's secure, I don't know why you'd leave him available, especially now that he's stretched out to six like this. 
Yeah, he looked fantastic over the weekend. The one problem is that he's going up against the Astros this week. I, maybe that's not a problem after all. What do you think, Scott? If you pick up Tony Gonsolin, would you be willing to use him in this matchup against Houston? Well, I don't have him as one of my 10 sleeper starters for this upcoming week. I don't think... Like if you don't have obvious choices to play over him, I wouldn't like I wouldn't let that Astros matchup be the reason I sit him. I think that makes sense. I'm looking at Woba versus right-handed pitching this season, and the Houston Astros ranked 21st in baseball, so it's not like they've been great. And they also lost Jose Altuve over the weekend, something that we will talk about when we get into the news and notes. So I agree. I think you know in deeper leagues, if if you need a starting pitcher, I don't know. In a head-to-head points league, that he'll be one of your five best matchups or one of your five best pitchers that you want to use. But I do think he should be higher rostered than 47%, and I'm not completely scared off by the matchup against the Houston Astros. I'm going to throw a few names your way, Scott, and you tell me whether or not you would drop these players for Tony Gonsolin. Frankie Montas. I would. I'd do that. Although he is he is in line for two starts now this week. I will point out, we remember on Friday show, we weren't sure how the athletics were going to line up the rotation coming back from their quarantine period. But uh, we now know Montas is getting two starts next week. And yet that, that, that just gives him room to do twice the damage based on how he's pitched recently. That's exactly what I was thinking too. I was like, man, two times for Frankie Montas to blow it up. It's, it's sad. I wish that wasn't the case, but uh, the matchups for Montas are against Houston and at Texas. So, again, I mean, Houston hasn't been great. Texas is a good matchup. But I think as of now, if you're just chasing upside for the, the last couple of weeks, I'm okay dropping Montas for Gonsolin as well. Uh, how about Lance McCullers, who got hurt over the weekend? Would you be okay dropping him for Tony Gonsolin? Yeah, he got put on the IL. So, yeah. I think any anytime anybody goes on the IL at this point, you're talking likely a season ending injury considering there are three weeks left. So that that's an easy call to make too. How about Herman Marquez who did bounce back over the weekend, sec- seven innings of two run ball. And I brought his name up last week. I said that I'd be willing to drop him. Made me look foolish over the weekend, but of course it was a road start in Los Angeles against the Dodgers and Mar- Marquez's final three starts. Two of them are at home against the Angels, against the Dodgers, and then his final start is projected to be at San Francisco. Would you drop him for Gonsolin? I don't think I would. He's, he's, in, a, he's in a very precarious spot. Precarious spot. Herman uh, Marquez is in my rankings where I feel like he's too good to drop and yet not quite good enough to call him a start. I think I'd hold on to him, though. All right, last name I'll bring up, Madison Bumgarner. If you were holding on to him or if you picked him up just to see what he did. Get him out of there. Get him out of there. Bum, I'm like uh, Joe West throwing Mike Rizzo out of the game. Did you hear about that? (laughs) I did not. What happened? Okay. Please fill me in, Scott. Uh, I haven't read up on it completely either, but (laughs) (laughs) apparently Joe West saw Mike Rizzo, Nationals GM, up in the stands at the Braves-Nationals game. And... It wasn't clear on the broadcast why he was throwing him out, if he heard him yelling something or the fact he wasn't wearing a mask or I, I don't know. But yeah, uh, that happened. It was it was, <laughs> it was, was kind of amusing. It's not the first time. Uh, I know that there's been like players thrown out of stands. I think it happened to like Steven Strasburg earlier in the season as well. So, uh, But he was like way up high. That's that you know, obviously crazy, an empty stadium. Yeah. So I guess he 
stood out still. But well, that's the thing. In in the empty stadium, you can hear things a lot clearer. So if he did say something, it's it's much easier to you know figure out who's the one saying it, right? So uh, interesting. All right, I am going to point to some Detroit Tigers, Scott. And you know what they say about the Tigers? They're great. How many times can I possibly use that? We'll figure it out. But the Tigers hitters. It's not just Victor Reyes. We could talk about a few names, but the, the main one that I would like to highlight is Victor Reyes, uh, but Willie Castro performing well, Jamer Candelario, a name that we have mentioned. Victor Reyes had two more hits on Sunday. He is now batting 318. He has four home runs, six steals, and has been leading off consistently for the Detroit Tigers, and he is widely available. He's one of the most added hitters from over the weekend, Victor Reyes is but still just 30% rostered, Scott. What do you think that number should be? Oh, it should be higher. He should yeah. be rostered probably in all Roto leagues, assuming, you know, Roto being a five outfield format, outfielder format. Yeah, he is shaping up to be what I had hoped Robbie Grossman might be earlier in the year when he, he got off to that hot start as somebody who's going to make a modest but relevant contribution in both home runs and stolen bases. And and then in, in uh, Reyes's case, Victor Reyes's case, um, it looks like batting average as well. Yeah, that's probably his best contribution, in fact. So doesn't have to be owned yet in three outfielder leagues? 12-team head-to-head points leagues? Yeah, I, I, I would say he's pretty fringy in that format. They they do play uh, eight games be, this week. The Tigers play eight games. So if you want yeah, right. to add him so for like, that. If you don't if you have a hole in your outfield, I would be okay using him. Uh, I actually have, you know, he didn't make my ten sleeper hitters list for this week, just like Gonsolin didn't make my ten sleeper pitchers. And let me look at the what the actual matchups are for the Tigers. Yeah, they're not the greatest matchups, but eight games is is obviously good. And uh He's, he'd be an okay start in a three-outfielder league. Would you drop Dylan Carlson for him, Scott? I would, yeah. It's kind yeah. of tough to wait out Dylan Carlson at this point. Yeah, and Carlson's been sitting quite consistently for the Cardinals recently as well. Would you drop your boy, J.D. Davis, for Victor Reyes? I might if I was specifically looking to make up ground in stolen bases and batting average. The data still looks strong for J.D. Davis, I'll point out. So I think, you know, obviously we're well past the trade deadline, I'm sure, in most leagues. But if that hadn't passed, I'd be calling him a buy-low candidate. So you know, where possible, I'd prefer to hold on to J.D. Davis. Ramon Laureano, would you drop Laureano for Victor Reyes? No. Would you drop, last name I'll mention, and it might be crazy, or is it? Chris Bryant. <laughs> I don't know quite what to do with Chris Bryant either. Yeah, that's a really tough one. Doesn't feel like you can start him, and yet if you drop him, you know he's just it's just going to come back to bite you. So, uh, yeah, I, I guess it depends how urgent your need is there because I, I don't feel like you can start Chris Bryant right now. Chris Bryant kind of feels like the Herman Marquez of hitters, right? Like, he's straddling the fence. It's like you don't know exactly what to do with him, but... Look, if you really need help now, I guess uh, it is something that you should be considering. The other Tigers names I just wanted to quickly mention, again, Willie Castro and Jamer Candelario. Willie Castro, two for five with a home run on Sunday. He has multiple hits in five of his last six games. He is just 3% rostered on CBS. He has third base and shortstop eligibility, batting 301 
Oh, mm-hmm. uh, last year in the minors, he he hit 301 with an 833 OPS. Again, this is Willie Castro. 11 homers, 17 steals. Your interest level, Scott. It's higher in Jamer Candelario than it is in, in Willie Castro. Candelario has like a 28% line drive rate and an XBA approaching, approaching 290. He's generally been a guy who's walked a lot too. I know the rate is down this year. And look, maybe... Maybe he was too patient in the past. I don't know, but um, he he looks like a he looks like somebody who could be a halfway decent contributor. Candelario does. So you okay? You would rank them Reyes, Candelario, and Willie Castro in that order. Yep. Fair enough. So if you need some hitters for this week, all the Tigers hitters have eight games. So those are some names for you to go check out. On your waiver wire. News and notes. Dallas Keuchel left Sunday's game against the Royals with lower back stiffness and is day-to-day. It is also worth mentioning that on Monday, there are four day games, including two games that start at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So make sure to set your lineups. But, you know, you're going to have some decisions to make uh, regarding some of these players who are day-to-day and and questionable heading into the week. So just keep that in mind. Astros GM James Click said during a pregame interview Sunday that Justin Verlander has progressed to throwing off of a mound. Scott, does this matter? Or is it going to be too late by the time he returns? It's probably going to be too late. Okay. Obviously, if you have an IL spot, it doesn't hurt to stash him. Maybe he'll give you one worthwhile start at the end of the season, but you can't, you shouldn't be counting on much. Lance McCullers, we mentioned was placed on the 10 day IL on Sunday with neck nerve irritation. If you do need the roster spot, I think with all the pitchers that are emerging, you can drop Lance McCullers. Dusty Baker said Sunday that he hopes Alex Bregman, who is returning from a hamstring injury is ready for the team's upcoming series against the A's. Dusty Baker added that the team is going to be quote, Pretty cautious with Bregman and his hamstring. Scott, if you have him, would you start Bregman when you hear a quote like that? I, I think in most cases I would. I would. I mean, it sounds like it might be a situation where they give him a couple days off here this first week back. So, you know, if, you're, if you've got another stud at third base or shortstop, maybe you play it safe and sit him. But I, I know... You know, like I, I'm somebody who benefited from starting Ronald Acuna this Ronald Acuna this week, even though he sat he like missed the first half with an injury. He then came back and did Ronald Acuna like things immediately. And uh, Bregman is certainly capable of making that kind of contribution in a in less than a full week himself. The Houston Astros do have seven games scheduled for this week, so even if he sits out a few, you might still get five games out of Bregman. Of course, in the middle of a pretty pretty good lineup there in the Houston Astros. Jose Altuve was placed on the 10-day IL retroactive to September 4th with a right knee sprain, so make sure to get him out of your lineups. Davey Garcia is likely to be activated again to start Wednesday against the Blue Jays in Buffalo. Eric Boland of Newsday reports. What do you think of his start on Friday? This was Davey Garcia, Scott, who went up against the Baltimore Orioles and allowed four and runs over four and two-thirds with six strikeouts. What do you think? I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't so bad, obviously. It, it, it wasn't good enough that when he comes back, you're going to automatically put him in your lineup. Uh, but you definitely see the potential there with the stuff. 
the curveball, you know, got some, he got some whiffs with that. The control has actually been better than I thought it would be looking at his minor league track record. So there's definitely something to work with there. I just, I don't know that he's ever going to, if there's enough time for him to A, gain the Yankees trust and then B, even meet the higher threshold of gaining our trust with our fantasy lineups. Again, that is Davey Garcia, one of the most added starting pitchers in CBS this weekend. We'll get into the waiver wire a little bit more coming up. Other Yankees updates, Giancarlo Stanton dealing with a hamstring has been performing baseball activities and running up to about 80%. Don't know if I believe it. Aaron Judge dealing with a calf injury could begin a, quote, more aggressive progression of baseball activities on Monday. Labor Torres was activated and in the lineup Saturday for the Yankees. He was not in the lineup Sunday. Scott, if you had Glaber Torres, would you start him this week? I think so. I think so, yep. Fair. Marcus Semien was not in the starting lineup again Sunday. Semien swung the bat Thursday and reported continued improvement with his left side injury. He has not played since August 29th. Manager Bob Melvin said earlier this week that Semien was likely to avoid the IL. That sounds like maybe we shouldn't get him in the lineup. That sounds a little bit more pessimistic. Yeah, it sounds sketchy, and obviously his performance has been sketchy for the whole season. He, he started to show some line, signs of life right before getting injured, but it wasn't enough. And, and obviously the, the lack of track record was um, cause for concern even before the season started. So, yeah, you add that injury risk on top of it, and it just seems like it, it can do more harm than good to activate him. Jay Bruce and Roman Quinn were both placed on the I.L. for the Phillies over the weekend. It looks like Teoscar Hernandez is going to miss, quote, serious time with this rib injury, which is unfortunate. He hit his 14th home run of the season over this weekend, uh, and he's really been one of the surprises in fantasy baseball to this point. Again, that is Teoscar Hernandez. Renato Nunez, another surprise this season, is considered day-to-day because of a sore hamstring. He played... On Friday, he played in both games of the Orioles doubleheader, but was out on Saturday and Sunday. The Orioles also placed Anthony Santander on the 10-day IL with a right oblique strain. Nelson Cruz was scratched from the Twins lineup Sunday due to a minor hip tightness. Scott, starter sit, Nelson Cruz. Hip tightness. It's the coolest injury you can have. I would say, gosh, man. Gosh. Probably in a roto lineup, as many hitter spots as you're having to fill, you can't afford to sit him. But I imagine in those head-to-head lineups, there's some really good hitter who you just can't slot at DH because that's the only place Nelson Cruz can play. And the safe approach would be to sit him if you're in that scenario. Mm, Yeah, definitely risky. Let's see if we get some more news on Monday morning regarding Nelson Cruz. The Twins place Max Kepler on the 10-day IL Retroactive to September 3rd with a left adductor strain prospect. Brent Rooker was called up and has started three games in a row last year in the minor leagues. 282 batting average, 928 OPS with 14 home runs at AAA. Brent Rooker, any interest, Scott? Yeah, there's power here. I, I just don't think there's the playing time, uh, how consistent it'll be. I'm not sure you can count on that. And it's a high strikeout profile and... Uh, how that transitions to the 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 majors can obviously be, you know, you just have to wait and see. I, I think I think a similar profile who you can count on the playing time and is still widely available is Bobby Dahlbeck of the 
of the Red Sox, who's played pretty much every day since they traded Mitch Moreland. And he homered twice over the weekend. Hasn't has been striking out a ton, mm-hmm. but uh, might be starting to pick it up. I think if you're looking for cheap power, that's a better place to go than Brent Rooker. Three, uh, three pitchers getting ready to return from injury. Ryan Yarbrough, 62% rostered. Mitch Keller, who is 38% rostered. And Carlos Martinez, 56% rostered. Scott, how would you rank those three names getting ready to return? Yarbrough, Mitch Keller, and Carlos Martinez. I, I think I'd go Yarbrough number one because he didn't miss that much time. You don't have to worry about him stretching out again. Carlos Martinez, uh, it's kind of surprising they're putting back him back in the rotation. I wonder if it would have happened if they hadn't lost Wang Yun Kim to uh, to a a blockage, a kidney, a kidney obstruction. Uh, he had to go on the aisle with that. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know that Carlos Martinez is going to give him much more than two or three innings. So he would probably be second. Keller. Remember, at the start of the season, his velocity was way down, mm-hmm. and obviously he's the least proven of this group, so he'd be third for me. Bo Bichette took batting practice on the field on Saturday and will repeat that exercise, apparently he already did, on Sunday. Sometimes I take these notes very early in the day. Blue Jays manager Charlie Montoyo said that Bichette is close to returning, but that he still needs at-bats and reps in the field, so you probably shouldn't expect him back on Monday. Scott, would you start Bo Bichette? Uh, probably just in a deeper league. Matt Chapman has been diagnosed with a right hip strain. He's headed for an MRI, and there should be more clarity about the severity of this strain come Monday morning. Again, that is Matt Chapman, so pay attention to the news on him before you set your lineups for the week. The email of the day from Ben. He actually sent this in for our mailbag podcast, which we're actually going to record right after this one, but I wanted to make sure we answered this because... His lineups are going to lock, and he is in the playoffs. So this one's from Ben. Playoff start for my 14-team head-to-head points league this upcoming week. We can start a max of eight starting pitchers per week. After my top four studs, I can only start four out of the following five. Which one should I bench or drop? Dylan Cease at the Pirates. Dane Dunning, who is either at the Pirates or at home against the Tigers. Tony Gonsolin against the Houston Astros. Tariq Skubal at the St. Louis Cardinals, who, don't look now, Skubal has had two pretty good starts in a row. Dakota Hudson against the Reds. Which one of those would you bench, Scott? I think given that it's a points league, I would I would start Dakota Hudson, and that would make the low guy for me, Tariq Skubal, who, yes, did have a very good start over the weekend. Uh, six innings. 78 pitches, it was the most he's thrown in a start, which, you know, is still a low number if he wasn't super efficient. Obviously, he wouldn't have gotten the six innings. I don't know that they're ready to let him go 90-plus yet. I don't know. Uh, so he, he gave up one run on two hits in six innings, six strikeouts, 14 swinging strikes. You know, it was a, it was a good start for Scoobal against the Twins, especially. It wasn't, like, it was the first start where afterward I could at all see starting him the next time, you know? And it wasn't like 10 strikeouts and six. Like, it wasn't quite enough to erase, to overcome the mediocrity when you have such good alternatives. So the four I would slot in, especially given the matchups. I mean, Dylan Cease at Pittsburgh. Um, actually, he should be in line for two starts, Dylan Cease. Uh, Pittsburgh and Detroit, I think. So, so that's even better. Definitely Dane Dunning. Get him in. 
at Pittsburgh, Tony Gonsolin versus Houston, and uh, Dakota Hudson versus Cincinnati. Those would be the four I started. And Dakota Hudson on Sunday at the Cubs, five innings of three-run ball. He has now allowed three runs or less in five straight starts. So Hudson has looked pretty good. And, you know, he's a solid option for points leagues. I think he's a very similar player to, like, Brad Keller, for example. And uh, the way that the Reds have been ice cold, I think it does make sense to start Dakota Hudson in a points league over Tariq Skubal. Another email that I just wanted to update people on because we looked into the offense at Oracle Park last week on Friday's podcast and a couple of different people emailed us in and tweeted at us. And I really do appreciate it because these are, you know, some of the tidbits that you can really only get if you are watching the giants or listening to their radio broadcast. And you can pick up on little things like this. And this one came, came from Ray West. He said the seven arches in right field have always been open to the promenade on McCovey Cove. They are one of the cooler features of the park because you could watch the game from there without a ticket or watch batting practice before the gates open. This year, the arches are closed off. Not sure why. Maybe a COVID thing. It was discussed by the broadcasters during one of the first games of the season. They were astonished by how the ball was carrying. It was evident when Dwayne Kuyper called a fly ball that seemed to be routine and it carried out to right field for a home run. So this is just a very interesting Uh, kind of addition to our look at Oracle Park and how offense has been up this season. And I think something, I don't know how accessible it will be to get this information next year, but it would be nice to know that heading into draft season because then, you know, if those, if that's closed again, then that means it's probably going to help hitters heading into 2021 and it will downgrade pitchers a little bit, Scott. So I thought that this was really interesting and a couple of different people pointed us, pointed this out to us, which I appreciate. Yeah, yeah, they seem to be um, Giants fans, obviously, who were watching the game and heard it on the broadcast. It, it's apparently come up a few times. But that that would be more transformative than the slight amount they moved in the fences. And uh, so it makes sense. It, it does make sense to me that, that we're seeing more op- offense based on that. It also sounds like if it is such a cool feature for fans, I'm... I, I I would suspect it won't carry over into next season and that this will just be a one-year blip. But, you know, it, it probably depends somewhat on uh, how strongly the players voice a preference there. And uh, and we'll just have to wait and see. But hopefully, hopefully it is discussed over the offseason because there really has... Like, I tried Googling it when the, when I, the first person tweeted it out and I just couldn't find anything written about it, you know? Mm, yeah. Um, so it sounds like other than on the broadcast, it hasn't been discussed much. Let's head back to the waiver wire here, Scott. Talk about a few hitters from the weekend that could be available in your fantasy baseball leagues out there. Uh, a mix of names. Some players who might be available in some 10 or 12 team leagues and then also some names that you can look at in deeper leagues. Edwin Encarnacion hit another home run on Sunday. He is hot. And you know what happens when Encarnacion gets on a roll. Um, he's one of these People guys that could just he could just hit a bunch of home runs at once. Uh, but the problem is the White Sox only have five games this upcoming week. He is 63% rostered. Rowdy, Roddy, Telez, it's not his real name. Rowdy Telez, uh, t- three straight games with at, at least three hits. Two home runs during that span. Uh, he has an 804 OPS against left-handed pitching, which I found interesting because he's a left-handed batter, and he's that means he's holding his own. He is 19% rostered on CBS. Randy Arozarena, a name that we brought up last week, he had three hits and a double dong on Sunday. Again, a name that I am 
definitely interested in five outfielder leagues, deeper leagues. Uh, Andrelton Simmons, multiple hits in six of his last eight games. Not really hitting for power, but the batting average has been there for Andrelton Simmons. 30% rostered, six games this week with three of those in Colorado. Joey Bart, multiple hits in three of his last five games. He is now batting 265, 52% rostered. Uh, and then DJ Stewart, who is a former prospect, former top-ish prospect for the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, he had four hits over the weekend, including three home runs, 2% rostered. Scott Encarnacion, Rowdy Telez, Randy Rosarena, Andrelton Simmons, Joey Bart, and DJ Stewart. Where is the interest level on these names? The only one it's high on is Bart because potentially impact offensive player at a position where there's been no offense. So it's kind of surprising he's as available as he is. Uh, I, I have him in my top 10 catchers rest of season. So probably need to make a play for him if you're not satisfied with your catcher situation. I might have some interest in Telez. I mean, he he the power seems legit. He's struck out at only like a 15% rate this year, which is great, but he literally plays just against right-handed pitchers. So that limits his usefulness. Uh Arrows Arena seems like there's going to be a playing time issue there. Though he did homer twice on Sunday, it was only his Third time starting, I believe, in the last six games. Yes, third time in six. So, obviously, unless he earns more playing time by getting hot, it doesn't sound like he's going to be particularly useful either. Uh, you know, Simmons, we know that's a low-impact bat. He always, he's always made a lot of contact, so he'll have stretches where he gets a lot of singles like he is right now. But that's uh, that's pretty low-end performer at what's become a star-studded position. Yeah, I'm a little more interested in, in Rowdy Teleza. I think the... Injury to Teoscar Hernandez might actually help Rowdy Tellez get in the lineup more consistently, maybe even against That's left-handed pitching. So 19% rostered on CBS, Rowdy Tellez. Uh, the Blue Jays play six games this week. So, you know, again, there's three teams with eight games. That's the Tigers, the Rangers, and the Cardinals. And then nine, uh, there's three teams with nine games. That's the Phillies, the Oakland A's, and the Miami Marlins. So I don't know if you want to play the, the you know, how many games does this player have game for fantasy this week? But it's something that you do want to keep in mind. Scott, you mentioned Joey Bart, the name that you're probably most interested in. Would you, in a one-catcher league, drop Gary Sanchez for Joey Bart? I'm not quite there yet, but I could understand if somebody is. Gary Sanchez just, all he does is strike out and then hit the occasional homer. That's that's how things have been going for him this year. And... Like, if you drop him, somebody's going to pick him up because there just aren't enough good catchers to go around. Might as well take a shot on the upside. Uh, I'm, I I think I'd stick with him, but I, I wouldn't blame anybody who didn't. The pitching, was wa- out there. the pitching waiver wire, a little bit more interesting than some of the hitters, uh, at least for me, that stood out from the weekend. And we can run through this list. Trevor Rogers. At the Tampa Bay Rays on Sunday, six innings, three runs, 10 strikeouts. He is just 10% rostered going up against the Phillies this week. Dean Kramer. Yeah! (laughs) True story. Scott let out one of those yelps before we started recording, and I was like, that was awesome. You need to just 
randomly throw one in the middle of the podcast. But that's the second time I've ever attempted the Kramer. Yeah, in my life, the first time was with you, just before the start of the show. Yeah. Oh man, I'm having an internal debate right now. Should I say what I am thinking, or will people hate me for it? Ooh. <laughs> no. Uh, what do you think I should do, Scott? I think you got to say it now. <laughs> uh, I assume that's a Seinfeld reference. It is a Seinfeld reference. Yeah. Okay. I've seen maybe like three episodes of Seinfeld in my life. Yeah. And I don't, I have not enjoyed it. So there, there was, <laughs> since he was going up, up against the Yankees in this start, Dean Kramer was of the Orioles. Uh, there was a Kramer Frazier matchup in it. And I was just like, okay. I, was, I was taken back to the, <laughs> the early days of lockdown when people kept coming out with these TV character brackets, you know, Kramer versus Frazier. <laughs> And uh, and Kramer Kramer ended up slicing him up like Dr. Van Nostren. So it all turned out well for Dean Kramer, who just allowed one hit in these six innings against the Yankees, a very Ian Anderson-like debut, seven strikeouts. Um, for a guy who two years ago in the minors led all, led all minor leaguers in strikeouts, Dean Kramer did. Really good... Uh, Really good curveball, especially that's what he's known for anyway. Um, it is a nasty curveball. Yeah, yeah. And the, the fastball isn't particularly high velocity, but it's at least the scouting reports say it has a high spin rate. I haven't seen actual data on that yet. But a uh, couple words of caution. I mean, obviously, he's not like a big-name prospect. He wasn't on top 100 list. He was 10th, I think, according to Baseball America in the Orioles system coming into the season, Dean Kramer was, I, I think some list had him as high as like sixth, but you know, we're talking second, third tier prospect, not top tier guy, despite him leading the minors and strikeouts two years ago, uh, took a step back last year, statistically at double a, he only had eight swinging strikes on his 88 pitches, less than a 10% rate for getting those seven strikeouts. And he only threw 53% of his pitches for strikes, which is not, a good percentage. Uh, so just keep that in mind. Uh, anytime a pitcher turns in this kind of start in this season and, you know, has any, there's any inkling of potential there. I think it's probably worth a flyer there. You can never have too much pitching help, but uh, just going to temper expectations here a little for Kramer as compared to, some of the others who came up and, and had great debuts like Ian Anderson and Tristan McKenzie. Scott, where, where would you rank Seinfeld on the sitcom, greatest sitcoms of all time? I think number one. I think I go number Ahead of the one. Office? I never get tired of watching it. I know you love The Office. I do love The Office. And Seinfeld's uh, number one, huh? I, do, I love Parks and Rec. Mm. I... I love a lot of sitcoms, uh, but I think I'd go Seinfeld number one. Yeah, it it never gets old. I can rewatch it constantly, and it 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 never it it never fails to entertain me. Interesting. All right. Well, if anyone needed another reason to uh, dislike me, <laughs> outside of uh, you know all the movies that I haven't seen, all the classics, uh, I also have not seen Seinfeld, and I don't really want to watch it. So. There you go. <laughs> uh, Keegan Aiken, also an Orioles prospect, was pretty good over the weekend. Five and a third shutout, three hits, four walks, and eight strikeouts against the Yankees. 16 swinging strikes on 91 pitches. Justin Dunn, 
going up against the Rangers on Sunday. Six innings, two runs, four strikeouts. That is three straight quality starts for Justin Dunn. Tariq Skubal, we mentioned he was at the Twins on, I believe it was Friday, Saturday. It was Saturday. Uh, six innings, one run, six strikeouts. Uh, that is now two solid starts in a row for Skubal. Seth Lugo was going up against the Phillies on Saturday. Five innings, eight strikeouts, one run allowed. Uh, he got up to 81 pitches, so slowly getting stretched out. Still 64% rostered, but the strikeouts were very interesting to me for Seth Lugo. Dane Dunning on Friday against the Royals. Four and two-thirds, three earned, four walks. Not used to that from Dunning uh, thus far. 14 swinging strikes, still very good. Justice Sheffield bounced back, seven innings, two runs. Uh, Tony Gonsolin we mentioned. Davey Garcia we mentioned as well. Uh, and then TJ Antone, who is a pitcher for the Reds on Sunday against the Pirates. Five innings, one run, six strikeouts. This guy's, I don't know what it is. It's like a slurve. And, you know, rest in peace, but just watching it, it I, like I actually thought of like Jose Fernandez a little bit when I saw this. It was like, this is a sweeping slurve pitch for TJ Antone um, and a 96-mile-per-hour fastball, 11 swinging strikes on Sunday. So, Scott, I got a bunch of names here. We got to yeah. figure this out. We got to sort this out. Trevor Rogers, Dean Kramer, Keegan Aiken, Justin Dunn, Tariq Skubal, Seth Lugo, Dane Dunning, Justice Sheffield, Tony Gonsolin, Davey Garcia, and TJ Antone. Give me your three favorite from that group. Oh, we got to include Gonsolin, even though he's my pickup. Uh, yeah, yeah no, no, no. Actually, scratch that. He was he was your waiver wire pickup of the weekend. Uh, your three outside of Tony Gonsolin. All right. Okay. Well, I'm gonna have to go four, even beyond Gonsolin. So okay. forgive me. Forgive me, but I'm going four. I will go Trevor Rogers one because it's it's three good starts in a row. Obviously, six innings this time. That was that was the first time we've seen him go that length, and he delivered ten strikeouts. Really good fastball. We know that the changeup's been really good for him too, getting most of his swings and misses on that pitch. So, um, good minor league record record, kind of like Kramer in that. Doesn't have a high prospect standing, but the minor league track record, some impressive numbers down there. So Rogers is one. Kramer's two. Hasn't been around as long. Shoot. I got to start over. <laughs> no, there's a lot of names, and they're all pretty interesting. That's that's what makes this tough. Okay. Because, I yeah, I forgot Dane Dunning was here. I'm not backing off of Dunning, all right? It was a disappointing <laughs> third start, but he still got the 14 swinging strikes on 88 pitches. The walks were uncharacteristic. Super favorable scenario uh, with all those central matchups. So Dunning is one. Two is Seth Lugo, who has just transitioned so perfectly into the starting role here, up to 81 pitches in this start. And, and the strikeouts have just been coming like they were in, like, like when he was pitching in relief. Well distributed, the swinging strikes among four pitches. Like, definitely looks like a starter's arsenal. So I think this is going to go very well for Seth Lugo. I think he's a must. Trevor Rogers then third. Dean Kramer, then fourth. I don't want to miss my chance to talk about TJ Anton, though, because very interesting here. Now, he wasn't much of a prospect coming in either. Barely made the top 30 for the Reds coming into the season and uh, you know, you look at the minor league production, it's not very good, but the scouting reports made him to be a guy who throws 93. He's been throwing 95 in the majors. So it seems like he's gotten a velocity bump. Also 
scouting reports don't really talk about his slider. You mentioned it. It, it reminded you of Jose Fernandez seeing it. it. It's actually the pitch he throws most often. Um, so in between gaining some velocity, it looks like, and maybe developing a better pitch than he ever had before. I think we can kind of throw the scouting reports out the window for TJ Anton. And that's uh that's spelled T E J A Y. That's TJ and Anton A N T O N E. Um, I think we throw the scouting reports out the window. He spent most of the season in relief for the Reds, but 23% swinging strike rate, you know, really good is like league leader type is like 16%, right? And he's got a 23% swinging strike rate on the year. Um a, a batting average against of a, like around 160. Like it just, you go to his stat cast page and it's just red, like upper percentile of everything. And that probably goes down if he sticks in a starting role, but it still shows there is definitely talent here to work with. If he can stick in the rotation. Uh, and, you know, right now they're going six man because of double headers and stuff. Maybe he's able to bump Desclafani. But he would be fifth on the list for me. I'm really intrigued by that potential for TJ Anton. Okay, so let's just remind people. You had Dane Dunning was number one. Dane Dunning, one. Seth Lugo, Seth number two. Seth Lugo, two. Trevor Rogers. Maybe Seth Lugo should be number one, come to think of it. But that's uh, we'll keep going. <laughs> Trevor Rogers. Trevor Rogers, three. Dean Kramer, four. TJ Anton, five. And somewhere in the middle of that, Tony Gonsolin would slot. Probably third. <laughs> All right, so look, there's no shortage. There's a lot of interesting pitchers, uh, and I will just throw out Justin Dunn. He's still walking a lot of guys, not getting a ton of strikeouts, but he is at Arizona this week. So in a deeper league, if you just need a pitcher to stream, I I, I don't hate it with Justin Dunn. The Diamondbacks are without, uh, they are without uh, Starling Marte now. So I think that they are an offense that you can attack. But lots of lots of interesting names, especially regarding the pitchers. On the waiver wire. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I have fringy pitchers who bounced back over the weekend. Studs being studs. I have studs being duds. Some weekend leftovers, some bullpen notes. We'll do that here. Fantasy Baseball Today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to Fantasy Baseball Today. Some fringe starting pitchers who either bounced back or stayed hot. Over the weekend, what do we do with these guys? Are we starting them heading into week eight? Let's find out. Randy Dobnak bounced back on Friday against the Tigers. Five shutout with four strikeouts. He is going up against Cleveland this week. Starters sit. Def, uh, probably start him. I don't think he's must start if you're somebody who has a great pitching staff and don't need to bother with a Randy Dobnak, but uh, I think he's a safe start. Rich Hill. Let's cue the Undertaker gift here. Back from the dead. On Sunday against the Tigers, five innings, two runs, five strikeouts. He is also against Cleveland this week. What do you think, Scott? It's a fine matchup, and so I could understand starting him if that's just where your needs are, but five whiffs in this game, and a swinging strike rate for the year is like around, I think it's less than 6%. It's kind of scary. 
So I'd, uh, I'd rather not have to start Rich Hill. Well, what about Garrett Richards, who was at the Oakland A's this weekend? Seven innings, three runs, nine strikeouts. He's going up against the San Francisco Giants this week. That is Garrett Richards. Starter very, very impressive start from Richards. I'd hoped he would have these kinds of starts back when the season was beginning. His previous three outings, he combined for four and a third innings. So I'm hesitant to plug him back in based on this one outing. All right. Is he back? Is Matthew Boyd back? He's staying hot on Friday. He was at the Twins. And he actually started off this game allowing, I believe it was back-to-back home runs in the first inning, which it feels like he's done that three different times already this season, which is crazy. Uh, But against the Twins, Matthew Boyd, six innings, two runs, zero walks, eight strikeouts, 17 swinging strikes, seven on that changeup, which he has been using more, and four on the slider. Scott, would you start Matthew Boyd this week? And I should have wrote down his matchup, but I didn't. So I'll find it for you while you talk about Matthew Boyd. Uh, yes, I think I know it's a good matchup. He's in my top 10 sleeper pitchers. I think it's the Brewers. Yes, he's going up against yeah. the Brewers. The Brewers offense is terrible. Has been this year anyway. So yeah, I mean, three good starts in a row. The changeup coincides with his increased use of the changeup. He did allow two home runs in his most recent starts. It was it was the only damage he allowed. So you know that's that's always a potential concern for Boyd. But it seems like he's it, it seems like he's really settled down with uh, with increased use of that changeup. So I think he's I think he's somebody I'd gamble on against the Brewers. Sean Manaya was at the Padres on Saturday. Five innings of one-run ball with five strikeouts. He averaged 92 miles per hour on his fastball in this start, which was a season high. The first seven starts, he averaged just 90.1 miles per hour on the fastball. Sean Manaya has allowed two runs or less in four straight starts. He doesn't go very deep into his starts, however. He is at home against the Astros this week. What do you think, Scott? Sean Manaya. Yeah, all four of them, I think five innings, maybe one was five and a third. And that's still a matchup I'd consider on the the tougher side. So I'd rather not start Manaya. I, I noticed the velocity increase though too. That's that's encouraging. We'll see if he can keep that up. Sandy Alcantara bounced back at the Tampa Bay Rays this weekend. Six innings of one run ball with eight strikeouts, sixty five percent rostered. So might actually be available this week. He is at home against the Phillies. Starter sit Sandy Alcantara. I, I don't want to say start because I'm not eager to start him, but I don't think it would be such a bad situation if you had to start him. Like two of his first, like obviously the first start came at the very beginning of the season before he he got put on the IL. But I mean, two of the three, he's looked fantastic. Yeah, getting more, missing more bats than we saw him do the first couple years in his career. And we know he's a good ground ball pitcher. So he may be on the verge of turning the corner here. It's just we have so few instances that we can point to. Zach Davies was at the Oakland A's on Friday. Seven shutout innings. I, I don't know how he does it. I don't, he throws like 88 miles per hour. He is using his changeup and his cutter board this season. Again, that is Zach Davies. He is at home against the Colorado Rockies this week. Starter sit. I'd sit. It's pretty much a permissit for Davies, except maybe in a two-start week in a points league. Uh, I, I don't trust it at all. I, I do think 
I, I do think he's made some changes to his arsenals that have made him better. I just don't trust that he's this good. And last but not least, your boy. You keep defending him. Does that mean you're going to get him in the lineup? Herman Marquez, he is at home in Coors Field going up against the Angels this week. Scott, starter sit. It's not an automatic sit, but I'd like to have somebody better that I can start. The Angels this season against right-handed pitching have the fifth highest WOBA. And it's in Coors Field. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would try to get him out, but I've I've made my feelings about Herman Marquez uh, known to this point in the season. Studs being studs, pitcher edition from the weekend. Jacob Degrom against the Phillies on Sunday, seven innings with twelve strikeouts. His ERA is one point six nine. Thirty five swinging strikes, which apparently, if I read this correctly on Twitter, is tied for the most in a game ever. I mean, probably since like they've been recording swinging strikes. But Jacob Degrom is just on a different level. Uh, you Darvish as well over the weekend. Seven innings of one-run ball with 11 strikeouts. Scott, who do you think wins the Cy Young in the National League? Jacob DeGrom or you Darvish? I, I, I've heard Max Fried mentioned in that discussion too. As I he think should. DeGrom and Darvish are definitely better. And I say that as a Braves fan. I think, I, I think probably Darvish wins if the season ends today, but I think there's enough time left that DeGrom passes him because... The guys won two Cy Youngs in a row, and this is the best version of him we've ever seen. He has just been unbelievable this year. Uh, his stuff has been better than ever, and like it's so rare to see a 30-swinging strike game, obviously 35 setting the record or tying the record there. He's had two 30-swinging strike games in a row. <laughs> it's just, it even sounds crazy, like just saying it out loud, just... Jacob DeGrom is fantastic. Uh, spoiler alert, we're going to record another podcast right after this, a mailbag where we're going to do a first-round mock draft for 2021. I'm interested to see which pitcher goes first off the board. Is it going to be Jacob DeGrom or Shane Bieber? You're going to have to listen to that. I'm very interested. Uh, also, over the weekend, some studs being studs. Dylan Bundy against the Astros. Seven innings of two-run ball with eight strikeouts. Shane Bieber on Sunday. Only five innings, but 10 strikeouts. Lucas Giolito uh, at the Royals on Saturday. Six innings, three runs, nine strikeouts. Luis Castillo bounced back on Friday at the Pirates. Six innings, two runs, eight strikeouts. Corbin Burns at Cleveland continues to dazzle. Six innings of one-run ball with seven strikeouts. He is at Detroit this week. Love that matchup. And then Adam Wainwright. I don't know if the guy is a stud, but he's pitching like a stud. So I put him in this category. Another quality start on Saturday. Six and a third, two earned runs, two runs or less in five of six starts, and he's gone at least six innings in five of six starts as well. Is there anything you wanted to add to these names here, Scott? Bundy, Bieber, Giolito, Castillo, Burns, and Wainwright from the weekend. I wonder I wonder if Wainwright is becoming... I don't think he's going to become a stud again, but I wonder if, if I've been too dismissive of him up until now because the strikeout rate is low for the season. It's been better his last three starts. He's, he's, I think, over a strikeout per inning his last three starts. And his swinging strike rate for the season, it's, it's by far the highest of his career. And this is a guy who used to be a perennial Cy Young contender. Uh, so he may have figured out something new here that's, that's, uh, that explains why he's enjoying this late career renaissance. Uh, 
you know, he's still he's still worse than everybody else on this list, but he may be somebody you can count on down the stretch. Yeah, if you added Adam Wainwright a couple of weeks ago for whatever it was, a two star week, you might have you you might have found a gem on your hands here. The old man, Adam Wainwright, getting it done. Studs being studs, hitter edition. Marcel Zuna, three more hits on Sunday, including his 13th home run, four RBI. Paul Goldschmidt, a three-run homer off John Lester. He is now batting uh, 327. That probably changed since I wrote this down. Dom Smith, four hits on Sunday, three RBI, 327 batting average with an OPS over 1,000. Dom Smith has been fantastic this season. Eugenio Suarez, a triple dong on Saturday. The batting average still very low. But just like that, he is up to 12 homers and 27 RBI. Ronald Acuna was back. Scott mentioned earlier in the show. He hit four home runs over the weekend. And J.D. Martinez, two hits and a homer on Saturday as well. Sorry, Scott. I'm not going to give you the opportunity to talk about those names because we have a lot more to get to. Studs being duds. Uh, Austin Meadows went 0-4 with three strikeouts on Sunday. He is batting 220 with a 694 OPS. Would you start him this week? The Tampa Bay Rays are playing... Six games. I think so. I think so. I can understand how maybe in a three outfielder league, if you were just had way too many good outfielders, uh, he might be the odd man out. Well, it's, fun. it's funny you bring that up. I would start Meadows. It's funny you bring that up because in our podcast listener league, I have Michael Conforto. I have Randall Grichuk. I have Fran Reyes. I have Austin Meadows. And I have Alec Bohm. Would you start Bohm over Austin Meadows this week? Nine games? I think so. I think so. Though I got to say, Bohm had the hat trick with the strikeouts Yes, on Sunday. He has nine strikeouts to no walks in his last three games. Mm. Uh, so <laughs> Bohm's ratios suddenly look a lot worse. Uh, but I, I still think I've seen enough positive from him that in a week where the Phillies have the best matchups for hitters, nine games, like you said. Uh, Pat- he feels pretty automatic. Patrick Corbin was at the Braves on Sunday. He allowed five earned runs with four walks over five and a third. His ERA is now 4.34. He goes up against the Braves again this week, Scott. Would you start Patrick Corbin? I probably would, but I'm getting mm. I'm getting kind of concerned here. He uh his velocity's down this year. Uh the swinging strike rate is still good, but it's also down. Strikeouts are down. His XERA, which is the stat cast, the stat cast ERA estimator, XERA, so it takes into account more quality of contact. It's over five, his expected ERA. Uh, now his real ERA is over four. So uh, not all hope is lost here. It's not a Madison Bumgarner situation, but like there's some discouraging trends here for Patrick Corbin, a guy who is 31 years old. Yeah, it's especially going up against the Braves too. Like the Braves offense is all of a sudden mashing again. Everyone is healthy. Acuna Who's mashing without Acuna, right? Like Adam Duvall. <laughs> hit three home runs. It's insane. I don't know how many home runs Marcelo Zuna had this week, but it was a lot. Yeah. Chance so, B. Swanson. That's tough, man. Like, if you have a stacked pitching staff, you only need to start five pitchers. I I, I can see a team where you, you are not starting Patrick Corbin this week. Brandon Woodruff, seven earned runs over his last two starts. Hasn't been quite the same recently. 
He is going up against the Cubs at home this week, Scott. Would you start Brandon Woodruff there? Yeah, I would. His biggest problem is just he, he keeps running into trouble around uh, the fifth inning. So he's he's not pitching deep into games like we saw him do last year. He was he was really establishing himself as an innings eater last year. Uh, the pitch counts always kept them low. I don't know if it means there's not enough diversity in his arsenal, and so you know you get to the second or third time through the lineup, and and you start giving up some hits. But the stuff is the same as last year. The swinging strike rate, about the same. The strikeout rate, about the same. So I'm inclined to hold the line with Brandon Woodruff, even though there have been a lot of early hooks recently. All right, for the rest of these names, Scott, just tell me whether or not you would start these players heading into this week. Chris Paddock. Talking too much. Nah, it's, it's just the weekend's crazy, man. There's always so much to get to. Uh, and there were a lot of really interesting waiver wire names too. So, uh, all right, let's power through. Chris Paddock is going up against the Giants at home this week. He allowed four earned runs again in his most recent start. Would you start him? It's been wildly inconsistent, but I would. Framber Valdez on Sunday against the Angels. Blown up. 11 hits, eight earned runs. He is at the Dodgers this week. Starter sit, Framber Valdez. I would start him, even though it's the Dodgers, Got it. Okay, so he had 10 earned runs in his previous six starts. Keep that in mind. Even after this outing, it's a 320x FIP. And uh, I think three of these eight earned runs he gave up in the eighth inning when Dusty Baker let him come out for the eighth inning. So that's partly on Dusty. I think think you let let it slide this outing. It is worth mentioning the Dodgers have struggled a little bit more against left handed pitching this season. Jack Flaherty was at the Cubs this weekend and allowed three runs over two and two-thirds. Only 69 pitches. We just start him against the Tigers. This one looks like a blip, too, and obviously that matchup is fantastic. So, yes. Pablo Lopez allowed five runs to the Tampa Bay Rays on Friday. He is also at Atlanta this week, a team that is number one in weighted on-base average against right-handed pitching. Starter sit Pablo Lopez. It's not an automatic sit for me, but I would hope I had better options. All right. Some bullpen notes from the weekend. Scott, you tell me. I'm going to just run through some stuff, and then you tell me what matters most and who you might be trying to add if you are still desperate for saves at this point in the season. Gregory Soto blew a save on Friday in a one-run game, and then Jose Cisnero blew the game on Saturday with Soto pitching in the seventh inning. So... Not really sure what's going on with the Tigers. Uh, Tyler Rogers had a save on Sunday with Tony Watson pitching in the eighth, and that was the exact opposite on Saturday, where Tyler Rogers pitched in the eighth and Tony Watson got the save in the ninth. Trevor Rosenthal also had a save on Sunday. Drew Pomeranz pitched in the eighth. His uh, this is Trevor Rosenthal's first save as a member of the Padres. Yoshi Hirano had the save for the Mariners on Sunday, but did allow a home run to Ronald Guzman. Felix Pena, who I was gushing over last week. Uh, came we into, all were. Uh, came into the seventh inning on Sunday, up 5-3, five five promptly allowed two runs. I believe he also had an appearance where he gave up three runs this weekend. Uh, Ty Buttry was used in the ninth inning on Sunday with the Angels up 9-5. to five. And then Kevin Ginkle, once again used as the closer for the Diamondbacks on Friday. He looks like the guy 7% rostered. So the Tigers, the Giants, the Padres... 
the Mariners, the Angels, and the Diamondbacks bullpen, Scott. Biggest takeaways. Well, by far the best option here is Trevor Rosenthal, who we had a suspicion would take over as the Padres closer. We just, there hadn't been an opportunity for them to put it to the test yet. And uh, the first time there was, they used him. 77% rostered, so not sure you can do much about that anyway. Um, I think, okay, so Felix Pena, so he gave up runs today, you said? Or no, Butchery, Butchery pitched the ninth with a four-run lead and Pena had the day off. So it, it was, no, Pena did pitch. You're right, two earned runs. Okay, yeah, mm, that probably takes Pena out of the running. Um, man, I'm trying to figure out who among this group, like it's it's just, ugh. Yeah, Pena allowed it's, runs on Saturday and Sunday against It's the probably Astros. Kevin Ginkle, mm-hmm. second priority here, uh, just because... There are no alternatives. Like even Yoshi Hirano for the Mariners, a save instead went to uh, Johan Ramirez yep. on Saturday. So I'm not sure how firmly Hirano has that a grip on that role. Ginkle, Ginkle, we all liked him coming into the season, and um, you know he's he's been terrible this season. The numbers look bad, but they need a closer. And they seem like they're counting on him. So he's probably up there. I'm not ready in deeper leagues to give up on Gregory Soto yet since the snare came in and blew the save the very next day. A guy by the name of Brian Garcia got the save for the Tigers on Sunday. But it was a situation where they came back from behind late. And I think probably uh, Soto needed a day off anyway. Uh, Soto's the, like, Soto's young enough that a rebuilding team like the Tigers, like it, it, it seems like they'd want to establish someone like that in the role. And I still think the numbers look good overall. And it wasn't like a super ugly blown save. So I still think Soto could land in that job if it's a league where saves are scarce and you don't want to, you don't want to give up on a potential save source. Alrighty, that will do it for our weekend recap. Good luck to everybody heading into week eight of your fantasy baseball leagues. And reminder that tomorrow's podcast that you're listening to, which will be released on Tuesday morning, will be a special mailbag edition as well as our first look at 2021. What will the first round mock draft look like? Let's listen to find out. He is Scott. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today on our YouTube channel. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Yeah.